It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. I did that backwards. Did you catch that? And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Again, no rookie orientation today. I promise we will get to the big players in this rookie class. We're not going to do the punter, okay? And we're not going to talk about the long snapper because, frankly, I don't think you care. I care and would love a an 18-minute conversation on J.K. Scott, but I think that's a niche market. I think there's probably only five or six of you that would enjoy that. And, frankly, there's too much other news to discuss, too many other things going on on Packers Twitter and among Packer fans, especially with the news that came out yesterday. And we're going to start with the Des Bryant conversation. We're going to move into a conversation about the Green Bay Packers cornerbacks. But we're going to start with Des because Jason Witten, in an interview with Joe Tessitore, his new partner in the Monday Night Football booth, said that he thinks the most likely place for Des Bryant is with the Green Bay Packers. And he walked that back a little bit and said that, well, I don't have any inside info on that, but I think that's the best fit. And when you look at the teams that were in on Des early, it was Green Bay, Baltimore, and New Orleans. Those were the teams that had showed the most initial interest. That was where the closest links were. Des reportedly turned down a three-year deal with the Saints for $7 million a season because he wanted a one-year prove-it deal to cash in again because he's still only 29 years old. And apparently the Saints, Jason Witten felt like the Saints weren't a great fit, but the Packers were. And I took that to mean that he had some level of inside information, at the very least, that Des Bryant wanted to or would be willing to play in Green Bay. Now, later in the day, Ian Rappaport came out with a report that Green Bay had been interested initially, but that nothing was imminent and that Green Bay's interest had waned over the course of the last few weeks since Des Bryant has had, had been cut and that Green Bay was not actively pursuing Des Bryant. All of that is fine. I'm not going to dispute any of those reports. I am not going to put more stock in what Jason Witten said than what Ian Rappaport said because, frankly, I, I just I don't think it matters for these purposes. I, I don't know enough from the players involved, and I don't just mean Des Bryant, the Packers as well, to make a prediction here, I think Ian Rappaport is well-sourced. I think Jason Witten obviously knows the people involved here, knows Des Bryant on a personal level. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what the outcome is going to be. But what I do know is Des Bryant would help the Green Bay Packers. And more than, more than I think the only question that we need to answer 
when it comes to the potential acquisition of Des Bryant is, is he better than Geronimo Allison in 2018? And we know the answer to that. Unequivocally, yes. We know he is. It does, is he an older aging veteran like the one they cut? I had this conversation weeks ago when, when Des was cut initially and he was linked to the Packers. It doesn't matter if he would be better than Jordy Nelson, which, by the way, he would be. There was a stat that I saw tweeted out yesterday from Pro Football Focus. By contested catch rate, Jordy Nelson was the worst contested catch receiver in football last season. 13% conversion rate on contested catches. That is atrocious. For his career, Aaron Rodgers' receivers are 85% converting contested catches. Des Bryant even with the struggles that he's had athletically, is still in the 60% contesting, converting contested catches. That is terrible. Jordy Nelson, no longer able to, to win with his own athleticism, is going to have to make those contested catches, and he can't do it. Has never been able to do it, but it hasn't mattered because he's been athletic enough. Des Bryant is not the athlete he used to be but has never relied solely on his athletic tools to win. He's relied on his strength and his determination, his his want to. He still has that. Green Bay still needs a third receiver, an outside receiver. He's probably going to be fourth, whoever that guy is, in targets behind Cobb and Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham. That doesn't matter. That's not the question we're asking. The question is, is he better than Geronimo Allison, yes. And and when we talked earlier in the week about expectations and whether or not it's reasonable to expect the Packers to get something out of these rookies, we determined that it's probably not reasonable to have, at, at the very least, high expectations about what this rookie class is going to be from a receiver perspective. Guys that late, receivers, generally tend to take some time. And that's fine, but Green Bay wants to win in 2018. And if all Des Bryant requires is a one-year deal at, even if it, the number is like 9 or $10 million, you do it. Because he makes this team better. A, a, a team with Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, and Des Bryant is unstoppable in the red zone. I, you know, and I was going to say, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, I don't even know that it matters. If Deshaun Kaiser is the quarterback, even if Brett Hundley is the quarterback, you throw in, you throw three jump balls, they're going to come down with one. That's a first down. All right, now throw three more. I mean, that's how easy it could be for the Packers with Des Bryant. And and I got this question. One of our listeners uh, sent me a DM and and just wondered about the Packers culture. And said, would Des fit in the Packers culture? And I thought that was an interesting question because he wanted me to define the Packers culture. And that's a, that's a, a deep discussion to have. And this has been a criticism that I've had of Green Bay, I would say, going back a number of years. Going back to Charles Woodson being in the locker room. Since then, there has not been a true sense of leadership in the locker room. Mike Daniels likes to talk, but to the point that a lot of the players tune him out. Morgan Burnett was seen as a leader, but he was a quiet-ish leader. And much like Brett Favre was 
In his time in Green Bay, though he was a great player, Aaron Rodgers, also a great player, leads by example. He's not the guy that's going to come in and says, okay, guys, we have to get to work. Green Bay doesn't have that guy. Aaron Rodgers sets the tone by being meticulous, but there have been critics of Aaron Rodgers. Now, they're, they're, they've all been receivers, so take it with a grain of salt. But the critics have said that he is not willing, Rodgers is not willing to take responsibility for his own mistakes and shortcomings. And so as a result, has these shortcomings as a leader. Now, regardless of whether or not that's true, I think it's easy to look at this team and say they lack leaders. They lack a tone setter outside of Mike Daniels. And some of these young players are going to have to take that. That is, that is just the life when you're a Ted Thompson team and you're constantly turning over your roster and you're constantly among the youngest teams in the league. Who are the leaders on this team? I think it's hard to say. Someone like Randall Cobb is a leader by example, but is not necessarily a vocal leader. Could someone like HaHa Clinton Dix take a step forward in that realm? Could even a younger player, could Josh Jones or Blake Martinez or Kenny Clark come in and, and assume that role? Maybe. But... The guys that the Packers did sign on offense, Jimmy Graham is not going to come in and be a leader. Muhammad Wilkerson, clearly not going to come in and be a leader. I think Tremont Williams can come in and give you some swagger, a little attitude, some veteran savvy, and and an example, which is good. But he's not the kind of guy who's going to set the tone in your locker room. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, is Des Bryant going to come in to a locker room that can that can handle a volatile personality? I don't know that that's an ideal fit, but I think in some ways it is because all of the issues, I heard Martellus Bennett's name a lot over the last few days. It's not a fair comparison. Martellus Bennett quit on the Green Bay Packers. He threw a temper tantrum and he quit. Des Bryant doesn't quit on his team. All of Des's issues are related to his will to win. All he wants to do is win. And that, that is the problem. Because it doesn't always manifest itself in healthy ways. What he wants to do is win so badly, he is going to yell and scream in your face if he doesn't think that you're doing everything in your power to win. This is a guy that plays through injury, that plays hurt, that runs hard every route, that runs hard every time he catches the ball, plays with nasty, plays with attitude. How many times have you watched the Packers play in in critical games even? And they've come out with low energy. And Mike McCarthy is always the one that says, I'll take the blame for that. Well, what if they've got a guy on offense who is not going to let them be low energy? Who's going to come in and be a spark plug and, and a font of energy at all times? Whether it's positive or negative, I don't even think it matters. Just go out there and play with, with juice. And Des Bryant always does that. To me... It is a no-brainer, a one-year deal, if that's what he wants. I mean, I, I would I would look for a two-year deal with all the guaranteed money in year one so that you can get him at year two at a lower price if he plays well, and if he doesn't, you cut him. Now, maybe he doesn't want to take that. I don't know how much leverage he has. No one wants to sign him. I mean, it's mid-May, technically past the midway point of May, and he doesn't have a home. I mean, mini camps are going to start soon, and training camp is right around the corner. He's only 29. This is a guy that still has has juice left. This is not Anquan Bolden at 34 playing for the Lions. And yet no one seems to be interested in him. So is he going to get the price that he's looking for? Probably not. 
Is he going to find the perfect place? Probably not. So would he be willing to come to Green Bay for four or five million dollars? Would the Ravens be willing to sign him on a one-year seven million dollar deal? They've made some plans since then. They've signed some receivers. Would they still want Des Bryant? Who knows? There are still teams out there that need receivers. I'm not saying Green Bay is going to sign Des Bryant. I'm just saying, based on what they need, what Des Bryant still does well, back shoulder fade, slants, regular fades, all these things where Aaron Rodgers excels. Green Bay hasn't had a 50-50 ball player since Jermichael Finley, but, but Rodgers loved to throw those, loved to throw them. And though Des Bryant doesn't doesn't get open consistently, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need him to get open. Throw it to his back shoulder. Throw it somewhere close, and he's going to come down with the ball. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. And it gets you access to player grades, tools, charts, fantasy football content. Your fantasy football draft is going to be here before you know it, and you need to be the most prepared person in your draft. So let me give you all of the information that's normally behind the paywall. I want to give it to you for free for a year. And all you need to do to win is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, but I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging, with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. 
but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, I wrote about the Des Bryant situation for Acme Packing Company. I wrote about it for Fansided. Go check out those pieces. I tweeted them out. Remember to be following my Twitter handle at Peter underscore Bukowski. Speaking of Twitter, I tweeted out a thought the other day about Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. And one of the things that stands out to me is when you look at those two players, last season Jair Alexander led college football in passer rating when targeted for a cornerback. And Josh Jackson led college football in plays made on the ball when targeted, whether it's a pass breakup or an interception. These are corners with feel, with ball skills. And feel for the position is one of those esoteric notions. It's vague and nebulous and and not easily defined. But feel is about your ability to sort of sense what is coming, to understand situationally where you need to be. It's not just knowing the game. It's about understanding how a quarterback is going to try to attack you, about how a receiver is going to run a route a little bit differently here, understanding how you need to make adjustments in the game and react to the game plan. It's not just about technique. Feel is something innate in playing a position, and generally players who are playmakers, who create plays on the ball have great feel at the cornerback position. It it is hard to be someone who gets a lot of interceptions or a lot of pass breaks up breakups or is always in the right position. It's hard to be that person without having great feel. Casey Hayward had great feel. Charles Woodson might have the best feel of any defensive back who has ever lived. It's about it's about instinctually playing but it's also just about an innate sense of where to be. And I thought, you know, this is a departure. This is great for Brian Gutekinds and the Packers. But it's also a departure from the Ted Thompson cornerback model. And and I just, I said something without really thinking about it or researching it. Just my own feel about the Packers. I think I have pretty good feel. That the biggest flaw of the Ted Thompson era was banking on developmental corners with bad feel, and that this Packers draft was the opposite, that Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson are born playmakers. And I went back and looked at cornerbacks picked in the Ted Thompson era. And I'm just going to, I'm going to name them, and then we're going to talk about them. Mike Hawkins, Kurt Campbell, Will Blackman, Pat Lee, Devon House, Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, Dimitri Goodson, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, Kevin King. Now let's set Kevin King aside for the moment because we don't know what he is or what he can be. I would argue he falls into the category of a corner who lacks feel. He's a player with elite athletic tools. I don't know that he has the best feel at the cornerback position, but he's he was hardly a developmental play given where he was picked. Three of those guys were out of the league in less than four years. One of them was... was a, a great punt returner in college, Will Blackman. 
but was never a very good corner and, and never developed into a very good corner. Two of those guys were basketball players first, Goodson and Rollins, and two of them were safeties, Micah Hyde and Demarius Randall. Now, Green Bay, Hyde played both, played corner and safety at Iowa. Randall was a free safety only, and it turns out Hyde's best position is at free safety. He was a pro bowler there last year. There's only one player of that list who is any good, and that is Casey Hayward. Now, Devon House is the only other name on that list, and he had one good year in Jacksonville, was a solid rotational player for Green Bay at various times throughout his career. And as a day three pick, you just say, okay, we're good. He got enough value out of that position. But that's basically two good cornerback picks in the Ted Thompson era. Obviously signed Charles Woodson, found Tremont Williams on the Texans practice squad. All those things matter. Picked Casey Hayward, who turned into a Pro Bowl player. That matters. Found Sam Shields as an undrafted free agent. That matters. It's not that he he can't scout the position. Demarius Randall was very good as a rookie and very good last year. That was more of an attitude problem. But a lot of these guys were developmental players. And Ted Thompson simply thought Joe Witt can handle it. He can do it. And what he didn't factor in was injuries. And what if these guys need to play right away? This was the ha Clinton Dix criticism. Well, you... It is true that you develop players by allowing them to play, but you want them to play when they're ready to play. And a lot of these guys were not ready to play and and never became ready to play. Pat Lee's best moment as an NFL player was in the Super Bowl. He had to play in the second half when, when Green Bay secondary was devastated by injury. Charles Woodson broke his collarbone and Pat Lee had to go play snap. I mean, the Packers were playing with Pat Lee, Jarrett Bush, and Tremont Williams in the second half of that game. Obviously, Sam Shields' career was was cut short by injury. He is back now, but he struggled with injury most of his career in Green Bay. And what Ted Thompson never did was create a long-term solution post-Charles Woodson. The players that continued to be good in the Woodson, in the post-Woodson era were players either brought to the team during the Woodson era or in the case of Casey Hayward, were drafted when Woodson was on his decline. And then ultimately was not a long-term piece in Green Bay, a failure that is on Dom Capers, not Ted Thompson. But all of this is to say that Jair Alexander, who is a, a multiple-year star player at Louisville, is not a developmental prospect. He can play right now today. And Josh Jackson, despite one year of production and having some similar physical traits, as Ian Kenyon from Bleacher Report pointed out on Twitter yesterday, very similar if you just look at a physical profile, size, 40 time, and statistics in their final season. Now, one of them played in the Big Ten and one of them played in the MAC. But Josh Jackson played in the dime package. If you listen to the rookie orientation on him, he he was a player right away that the Iowa coaches knew this guy's talented. He can play. He was he was sitting and waiting behind NFL talent and ultimately got the chance to succeed and, and once given that opportunity, did so. And did so against the best teams in the country. I mean, the two best teams in the Big Ten last year were Ohio State and Wisconsin. Against those two teams, Josh Jackson had five 
interceptions and two pick sixes. I mean, if that is not feel, I mean, you you can't watch Jackson play and not say he doesn't have incredible playmaking instincts and feel for the position. He wasn't playing because he was he was waiting his turn behind guys that had earned their spots. And this is at an Iowa program that churns out NFL talent regularly. So it's hard it's hard to look at him despite the single year of production and say he doesn't have great feel for the position. He does. He is not a developmental prospect. That guy is ready to come in. Now, he's going to have to learn how to play press man. He's going to learn how to get his hands on guys a little bit better. But in terms of playing the cornerback position, reading corners, reading receivers, reading route concepts, pattern matching, he can do that. And that doesn't mean that Alexander and Jackson are going to be Pro Bowl players or even good players, but they are a departure from the Ted Thompson methodology. And I think a departure in a very good way. They're both outstanding athletes with pedigree, with feel. I mean, all the traits you want, they have. Jackson, a little bit slower than you would like, but every other ability you'd want. Jair Alexander, a little bit shorter than you'd like, but every other ability. And they have what I believe to be the most important trait for a cornerback, and that is feel. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL on Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. All right, we'll have a show on Friday and then back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. Remember, Memorial Day week, schedule's going to be a little bit wonky, so make sure you're following the Twitter feed at Locks on Packers. Make sure you're following my Twitter feed at Peter underscore Bukowski. There is still a lot of content coming, off-season coverage, and obviously we're going to be following the Aaron Rodgers contract closely, the Des Bryant situation closely. The Packers just signed Jair Alexander, their first-round pick. They have a full class so there will be no issues, no problems when it comes to OTAs, to mini camps, and any any questions there. Green Bay is set and ready to go. Now, will there be players that they sign moving forward? Sure there will. I think after June 1, there could be players that, that interest Green Bay. I think there could be some, some training camp and preseason cuts Green Bay could make. They did it last year with, with some late acquisitions, Ahmad Brooks, Quentin Dial, guys like that. There could still be veterans out there that help this team. Green Bay clearly believes that that this is a Super Bowl caliber team. That was why they were aggressive in free agency. I think that is going to be a mark of a Brian Gutekind's Packers team, And but we'll see next year. But so all of that is to say there is still a lot to discuss Packers-wise, so keep a lookout on all of those social media platforms. Stay up to date on those websites so you get all of the latest Packer news before all of your friends. So you can text them and say, hey, did you read this? Hey, did you see this? Hey, what about this? What do you think about this? All of that is designed to make you smarter and a better fan. And I'm just I'm just trying to give you ways to do one simple thing. And you know what it is. Stay locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.